counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. And my title for this morning's message is Deciphering Conscience. There is a reason why so many people today aren't flocking to churches, anxious to hear what they can do to be forgiven. One of the reasons, one of the main reasons is, is they're not deciphering conscience. They don't understand why it's there. They don't understand the purpose of this mysterious faculty that we have. We all have it. Well, the book of Proverbs, what a book this is. There's more than meets the eye to these Proverbs. They communicate to us. Well, a lot of people consider the Proverbs to be wise sayings concerning life, but it's so much more than that. They can they conceal, they reveal to us spiritual truth, spiritual realities concerning the greatest issues, the greatest matters of life. They're very much like the parables of Christ in the New Testament. And we see there as well so many vital truths in how to seek and find the Lord. And it's no different here in the book of Proverbs. And this verse is a typical example of this. And so we'll just be focusing on this single verse this morning because there's so much to deal with. The counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, not a particular man, but everyone. Everyone has this counsel. But a man of understanding will draw it out. Now, the question we need to ask is, what is this counsel? What is Solomon? This was written by Solomon, King Solomon, inspired by the Holy Spirit. But what is this counsel which is being referred to? Is it speaking about uh, people who happen to have a massive intellect, people who have high IQs, and it's only that, that these people who, can, who have this counsel? Is it speaking about those who have knowledge in many different areas, many different disciplines in life, and it's only these people that can draw out this counsel and understand it? No, it's not speaking about that at all. We're given a clue what this counsel is in, in the verse itself. Counsel in the heart of man is like deep water. This is mysterious. It's very deep. It's like deep water. It's not very easily, it's not very easy to access. That's the implication. This is difficult. This counsel is difficult to access. Like deep water, like deep water, water deep underground. So this is referring, I think, quite plainly to the conscience. And if I want to be even more specific, to God, who at times speaks to us through our conscience. This is what is meant here by the word counsel. It's deep. It's mysterious. Many people dismiss conscience. They don't understand why they have it. They see it as a nuisance. It's deep counsel. It's deep within. Now, there are some modern Bibles who insert into the verse a well. The counsel of a man is like deep water in a well. And they do that to try help the reader to understand that this is what it's referring to. Counsel in the heart of a man is like deep water in a well that you must draw out. And you see here in the verse that there is indeed um, a drawing out of the water. So you can understand why they insert the, the word well in, in the verse. But I believe that's a massive mistake to make. Because in actual fact, if you do insert the word, it's not in the original and some of them, not all of the modern translations, but some of the modern translations are trying to help people. But in doing so, 
the argument is lost. The whole thrust and the argument that Solomon is trying to make, inspired by the Spirit, is lost when you insert that word, the word in there. Let me explain why. Think of, a, think of the picture, the illustration that is communicated here. There is this deep water, well, the deep water is everywhere in the earth, but there's this deep water underground. And imagine that a well is constructed. There it is, a functioning well. Well, anyone, any able-bodied person can draw out water from a well. You don't need to have any skill in drawing water out of a well. You lower the bucket or the pail of water and you have a rope and you just, you just draw it out. You don't need to be a person with any particular skill to draw water out of a well. But what if the well has not yet been constructed? What if there happens to be water, an abundance of water in the particular area? Well, that's a completely different kettle of fish. That's a completely different, that, that changes things radically. You need to know how to dig to deep. You need to know the, uh, you need to know the area locally. You need to know uh, where to dig. Where to dig, where, where's this water? You need to know a great deal about the area and the land locally. You, and so this is what I, uh, I believe is meant here. The well has not yet been dug. So inserting the word well, the argument is lost. There is deep water in this region, but it, you, there's no access to it at the moment. And so you must dig a well. You must, make, you must get access to it, but it's not very easy. You need to know how dig to deep. You need to know how how where it is, how deep it is. You need to know the you need to know uh, what the area is like. Well, I did a bit of research into these things, not too much in preparing this message, but apparently one of one of the ways in which they could discern that a particular area in those far off days, and even today in some rural rural areas, if they could tell that a place did have an abundance of water, or there was water close to the surface of the land is that some vegetation, some plants absorbs a lot more water than others. So if you happen to see particular trees or plants which ob absorb a lot of water, then that would give you an indication, ah, there is, there is water near to the surface. So that's one of, the, one of the ways in which they did it in the past. They could understand that there was, there was water close, close to the surface of, of the ground and this level where you find the water, it's called, in technical terms, it's called the water table. And it varies. There's, in fact, there's water, there's water under the earth everywhere around the world, pretty much, pretty much everywhere. But this water level varies. In some places, you only have to dig a few feet deep and you've, and you've reached it. Whereas in other places, you have to dig 50 feet, 80 feet, 100 feet, and in some cases, many hundreds of feet or even beyond 1,000 feet. So it varies and wherever you are in the world, this threshold, this water table could be very close to the surface or it could be a lot, a, a lot deeper. Well, back then, they didn't have the luxury of having these modern, these modern machines, these spectacular equipment with these drills, which could drill hundreds of feet deep in no time. They didn't have these equipment, those equi that type of equipment we have today to drill deep down into the earth. The average depth, uh, well, the average depth that they dug was around 30 to 50 feet deep. And even that, even digging that, it doesn't sound very deep, but digging that deep, digging a hole 30 to 50 feet down is so labor intensive. They didn't have, remember, they didn't have the machines and so on that we have today. It was so labor intensive. 
And when you read in the book of Genesis, some of the squabbles they had over wells, you can understand why it was such a that it was such a valuable asset. So having looked at the illustration in a bit more detail, what is the point that Solomon is trying to get across? What is the spiritual lesson here? Well, the deep water without a well, not yet dug, it's not easy to get access to it. You have to know a certain amount of things and you have to know how to construct a well. And it's the same with conscience. Understanding conscience, friends, deciphering conscience, it's very, very hard. It's not easy. It's incredibly hard to understand, to decipher, to understand why I have a conscience and to extract its voice, the voice of God. It's very, very difficult according to this, to this verse. God has not made it difficult. God has not done this. But we have done it. We have made it so difficult to understand, to decipher, to appreciate the conscience and how God communicates to us through the conscience. We're told in Romans chapter 1 that we suppress, we hold the truth in unrighteousness. And what is meant by that, the Apostle Paul speaking to the church in Rome and, and the letters for all of us, he's meant that we as human beings, as rebels of rebels away from God, we push down the truth. We push it down deep because the truths of the Bible are very uncomfortable and we push the truth. We suppress it in unrighteousness. And as a result of this, we make it so hard for ourselves to understand what God is trying to say to us, how he communicates to us, how he communicates to us through conscience in the deep recesses of the conscience. God from time to time he speaks, but the trouble is, it's piled. The conscience is piled under so much stuff. So many, just like the water, the deep water in the earth, there's layers and layers and layers of soil um, on, to on top of the, before you even reach the water, and it's the same with us. There are layers and layers of so many things, and the conscience is buried deep down as, as a result of this. So it's very hard. To hear, to hear the voice of conscience, let alone understand it. And this is, the predic this is the predicament that we're in. It's very hard to, to decipher conscience, to seek, to seek the Lord. A great amount of digging is required so that I can even begin to hear the voice of conscience with clarity. And that's the problem. First, I need to dig, or, or even in the, at the beginning, there's the topsoil, there's the surface. I need to start digging through the topsoil of distractions. We live in a day and age, we live in a culture of, of constant entertainment, an entertainment-saturated society where people can't even, so many people don't even think independently anymore. They're trained not to think. I'm constantly being bombarded with, with so much information, so many sound bites. I'm constantly distracted with so much entertainment that I barely think for myself. And so many, many people haven't even dug through through the surface, the topsoil of distraction. They haven't, they haven't even dug through the first layer. They can't even, so they barely hear conscience. Bombarded with so many things. I'm constantly on my phone. I'm constantly um, distracted with all these things. And when I am disappointed, we do go through disappointments in life. When I am disappointed when something upsetting takes place in my life, 
which forces me to come outside of my comfort zone. I normally think about things which, well, in the grand scheme of things are so unimportant. These things seize my mind. But when I'm troubled about something, something happens. I'm moved outside of my comfort zone. And for a very brief moment, I can almost hear the water at the bottom. I can almost hear conscience speaking. I can sense how shallow life is because of this disappointment, because of, because of these things. And it's, but the, tra the tragedy is that when, that when this does happen, when I do feel that shallowness, instead of digging, and that's what we're supposed to do, instead of digging, instead of asking questions and reflecting on life, what we do is we bury ourselves in more distraction. And that's what many people do. I indulge in more distraction. I, to take, to take my mind off these uncomfortable things, I will go and buy something. I will go and uh, stream my, my favorite programs on TV because I'm feeling this way, I don't feel right. I'll, I'll buy this, I'll do this, I'll go out for the night and do this. And by doing this, I'm missing the point entirely. The reason why this disappointment has come into my life is God is throwing me a lifeline. But I can't decipher this. I can't understand this. And there, I never bury any deeper than the top layer of all these, of all these distractions. Well, that's just the first layer. There's many more layers that we have to dig, to dig through. <clears throat> there is <clears throat> a far more difficult layer to dig through, and that is the layer of prejudice and bias. And this is rock hard. It's so difficult to dig through this layer because we, and this is so labor intensive because we are so set in our ways. We're so determined to go it alone. And, and this is what sin does. Sin, we're told in the Bible, hardens my heart. It creates a crustiness around my heart. It's like cement. It makes my heart so hardened towards God's message, towards his sal salvation. And people can make all the excuses in the world. Oh, I don't believe in God. There's no evidence for God. I don't believe in God for this reason or for that reason. But it, it boils down to this. It's, the, it's that layer of prejudice and bias. This is, why people won't see, this is why people won't seek the Lord. I want to manage the affairs on my own. I want to rule. I want to go through life on my own terms. Uh, and I hate the Bible's emphasis on the fact of no other, no other teach, no other worldview teaches this, and it really bothers me that the Bible teaches about sin. The Bible's teaching on sin, and that if I live for my pleasures and if I live for the things of this world, they will corrupt me. Only the Bible teaches this, and I, I find it very annoying, and I find it offensive. And the teach, and there's many other things that I find offensive and I and and insulting when I look at the Bible. It's well the Commitment, a lifelong commitment to a husband or a wife. Well, some people think like this. Whereas atheism and other religions, well, they don't, they don't challenge the heart like the Bible does. So people have this rock hard layer to dig through, the layer of prejudice and bias. We will not seek God. We will not listen to him. It's inconvenient. It pours cold water upon my lifestyle and upon my most cherished sins. So I will not seek the Lord. It's rock hard, this layer. It's so sad. And friends, don't be under any delusion to thinking that this is only a problem that atheists deal with. Yes, atheists have this prejudice. Of course they do. But even religious people have it. 
And that's what, that's, that's what many people don't realize. Even many churchgoers have this thick, hard layer of prejudice. There's many, and this used to be, this used to be the case with me. There's many people who go to church, many people who have a vague belief in the Bible and in God, but they don't know Christ personally. They're not going to heaven. Why? Because they've never dug through this rock-hard prejudice they have. Oh, yes, I enjoy the externals of religion. I like the ritual, depending what church you go to. I enjoy the pantomime. I enjoy the... Uh, I enjoy the rituals, the ceremonies, the sacraments, and so on, but I detest the idea of personal faith. I detest the idea that I've got to grovel before God in tears and repent of my sins and realize that I'm a, I'm a wretched sinner in desperate need of salvation. I hate that teaching. I'm good enough. Yes, I believe that I'm not perfect and Christ is a savior and he came to die for sinners, but I'm not that bad. And I find this offensive, but I believe in God. I come to church, but this idea of personal faith and the Lord Jesus being Lord and Savior over my life. Well, this is fanaticism. This is extreme. I'm not going to. And there's so many people. There are so many religious people who think like this because they've never dug past this hot, rock hard layer of prejudice and bias they have against their own. They don't even know it. They don't even re, don't even realize this. Friends, this prejudice is so it's so hard. Let me give you an example of how hard it is in society. You at, on, Nowadays on TV, you have, well, anything can be broadcast on TV nowadays. It doesn't matter how violent it is, mindless violence and so much filth on TV. But imagine on primetime TV, if you had someone open a Bible and start reading it, there would be a public outcry. There would be so much trouble and controversy. And that just shows you how prejudiced we are against our, against our creator. And we experience it often when we give out tracts in, 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 in town, in, in, the, in the city center. We give out tracts to someone and someone takes it keenly and then they look at it. Oh, I don't want this. As soon as they discover that it's, it's, it's a message from the Bible, the expression on their face, the disgust on their face, it's exactly what the Bible teaches. The Lord Jesus Christ warned of this, this hostile prejudice that we all have before conversion. John chapter 15, verse 18. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. And so many, many people, most people will never dig past this rock hard layer of prejudice. And this may be stopping you from seeking the Lord. I love my sins too much. I love my reputation. Deep down, I do believe this is real. Deep down, I do believe that this is true, but I'm not willing to change my lifestyle, preacher. I'm not going to go that far. Our oh, friends, well, how tragic that you'll never dig through this rock-hard layer. It's so, it's, so, it's so dangerous. But then there's another layer. There's the layer of fear. You're fearful. You're petrified. Many people, there are many people who go to church, and or many people outside of church even, and they may have heard the gospel, and they, they believe it to be true. They believe these things are real, but they will never come to the Lord Jesus Christ because they're terrified of what other people will think. What will my friends think? If they, what, will my, what will my friends in the office think? What will my school friends think? What will my college friends think about if they, if they hear that I'm going to church? I'll be so embarrassed. 
I'm so embarrassed to call Jesus Christ my savior. I hear people using his name like a swear word, but I don't want to be seen as someone who is loyal to him, who loves him, who gives my life to him. No, what will people think? And that's a layer that people struggle to dig through as well. Oh, how far the conscience is that buried so deep down, piled under all these, all these things. So many people ashamed to call the Lord Jesus their savior. Friends, that's, that will cause many people to never seek the Lord. But if, but if only you realize how short-lived the friendship of the world is, the friendship of this world, well, pe even people today who love this world, they often feel the sting of how unreliable this world is. They loved and accepted and worshipped even by society one day, and they're cancelled the next day. How fickle and how short-lived is the friendship of this world. Well, these are just some of the layers where our conscience is so buried deep down because of these layers. And it makes it so hard to come to Christ because of this. But, or oh, I just mentioned a few more. There's many layers. I just mentioned a couple more. There's the layer of indifference. Some people just don't care. I don't care about the soul. I don't care. You, you mentioned the fact that there is a place called hell and a place called heaven. And you mention the fact that there is a day of judgment, but you know what? I don't care. That's another difficult people just don't care. They're so careless. Or there's the layer of ignorance. I don't know anything and I don't, and I don't want to know. I don't, don't tell me about the, these things. I don't want to know. People are ignorant and they're willingly ignorant. And they'll never realize that there is a savior who can save them. And they're in trouble. Well, these, these are just some. There are many more layers. But this brings me to my next point. In this illustration, what is it that these people, nomadic people perhaps, people living in these far off days and even today, what is it that they're trying to get to? Is it a luxury? Is it an accessory? Or is it, is it what they desperately need? It's water. Without water, we're dead. This isn't, this is, isn't a luxury. This isn't, this isn't an add-on. Whole societies, whole cities, and towns were, construct, were constructed around the water source, these wells. And it's, equal, and, it's, and it's equally applicable spiritually. Without accessing and discerning what God, is trying to, what God is saying to us through conscience, we're doomed. There is no hope for us. If I don't hear the voice of God and seek the Lord, I will be confined to everlasting punishment. I will be confined to the lake of fire. Friends, this is so serious. Just like water is, is essential for life, God's counsel, this message of salvation is essential. It's not an add-on. It's not a luxury. You cannot add Christ to your life. You, su you, su you must submit your life entirely to him. He means everything. He is the very substance of life. He is the water. He is the bread of life. I cannot do without him. I cannot overestimate how serious this is, friends. There's a reason why the Lord Jesus Christ wept over Jerusalem. Not just because the Romans were destroyed 70 years, uh, uh, 40 or so years later in 70 AD, but the fact that so many of these people, God's chosen people, were going to hell. He wept over Jerusalem. The Apostle Paul wept over the fact that so many Jews rejected their own Messiah. He wept over this. You read it in Romans chapter, chapter 9. And there's a reason why your parents or maybe your children 
are so troubled by the fact that you're not yet a Christian, pleading with the Lord every day. Friends, this is so vital. It's so, it's so serious. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7 and 9, we read the following. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction, not annihilated, but punishment will be punished with ever it will be it, it will be felt from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. So the voice of conscience is buried so far deep. There are so many layers that we've placed upon conscience. It's not God's fault. It's what we've done. We've made it so difficult for ourselves that really it's impossible. It really is impossible for us to decipher and understand and appreciate conscience and God's message, which he communicates through conscience, let alone desire it. Not only do I, I cannot access the access this message and decipher it. I don't even desire it. I have no interest in it to embrace this message. And we've brought it upon ourselves. But God is so gracious. He is so merciful. He is so he is so pitiful that even though I spurn him, even though I'm so indifferent to him, even though I reject him, even though he, he holds my very breath, yet he is so merciful and pitiful. He has gone to great lengths to procure salvation for an undeserving, rotten sinner like me. And he even helps me in the process of seeking him. He assists people greatly in seeking and in, in, in procuring this salvation. Just imagine a modern machine with these massive drills and it drills through all the layers instantly and reaches the water. Well, in a way, this is what God does for us. When he moves our hearts with such power that it's all, I, I see the water. There's a massive hole bowed through the earth and there I see the water. I'm look, speaking about the illustration and I realize how thirsty I am. I realize what a sinner I am. The things I've done. God can pierce through all these obstacles that we place in the way. We place in front of him so that I have a clear sight of who God is, of who Christ is and why he came and what he did. I now hear the voice of conscience with such clarity, not because I'm clever, not because I made such an effort. No, God was merciful and I've been arrested by him. I realize that I need forgiveness. My conscience is working overtime. I hear these things so clearly. I see how terrible my sins are. I see how obnoxious my selfishness is. I see my pride. I see my self-righteousness. All these things, I realize how hideous they are and how offensive. I never felt like this before. But God is at work in my heart. And for the first time in my life, not only do I know about these things, but I now feel them. And that's the massive difference. This is only something that God can do. It's all through life, many people, they know about these things. But when God is at work, they start to feel them. I feel them. My emotions are stirred. I long for this. I realize that when Christ was bleeding in agony on that cross, he was actually suffering for the sins that I deserve to be punished for in hell. He took my hell on that cross so that I don't have to go there. He prayed that wonderful prayer, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And that prayer is extended to all of us. When I realize that 
He died for me. He died. It was a personal transaction. Friends, all you need do. We make it so hard for ourselves, but God is gracious. And when I hear, hear the voice of conscience, don't brush it aside. I plead with you. But believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe that he personally died for you. 2000. Don't depend upon your own good works. Don't depend upon your church attendance or the other or other religious duties. That won't get you to heaven. Only Jesus Christ will get you to heaven. Only what he did on Calvary. That's the only way to heaven. I must trust in him entirely. I must renounce all my good works. All my good works are nothing before God because I'm a sinner. I need his mercy. I need his forgiveness. And I believe with all my heart that when he died on that cross, he did it for me. I pour out my heart to him. Lord, forgive me. And if I mean it, if I'm sincere, God promises to hear my prayer, to forgive me and to change me, to make me a new person, to make me a new, a new, crea a new creation. So I see the water and I had that thirst. Do you have that thirst? Do you thirst after God? Do you long to be forgiven for him, to, by him? Don't be discouraged. And once I do become a Christian, I have access to this council. God feeds me through his word. The Holy Spirit comes into my life and changes me entirely. And I'm constantly helped by him, guided by him through this wonderful counsel. He gives me this counsel through his word and it reaches that glorious climax when I will be with him in glory. Do not procrastinate any longer. Seek the Lord Jesus Christ and seek him immediately. And I close with this verse for your encouragement to seek the Lord. Isaiah chapter 12. Verses two and three, behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. Therefore, with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. Amen.